Hey, <clears throat> I'm not sure why I didn't hear anything there. Well, I guess we're live. Welcome, everyone. Today is, I think it's the 30th? Yep, Wednesday, March 30th, 2016. My name is Luke Thomas, and this is the Promotional Malpractice Live Chat. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Um, today, I don't think anyone's too confused about what we're going to talk about today. John Jones, as I as I talk to you now, is um, sitting in a jail cell in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I believe cell 26, as Mike Chiapetta wrote on Twitter. We are obviously going to get to every single nuance about that. So, uh, in addition, there is more MMA news. Of course, UFC 198 uh, is just around the corner, not too far away. From, and I know UFC 197 is first, of course. We'll get to that with the John Jones stuff. But... Um, but well, UFC 198, not too far away. They had a press conference for it in Curitiba, Brazil yesterday. We have uh, our own Guilherme Cruz who was down there. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And, of course, news and notes across the MMA world and really the sports world generally, uh, anything you want to get to. Best place to do that, of course, is going to be on MMAfighting.com. There we are. And um, Or Twitter. You can get at me on Twitter, at SBN Luke Thomas. And then um, you can use the hashtag ch chat rappers. Excuse me. I just ate some oatmeal. So I'm trying to talk to you while also not letting the spittle carry the oats onto the screen uh, and so forth. Okay, let's get this going. Yes, I know I'm live. <laughs> All right. First question. Well, first question didn't even get a recommendation. Didn't someone ask this question last week? What do you expect out of Connor's demeanor, and could the lack of trash talk hinder the amount of hype for the UFC 200 main event? Uh, I believe we got to that last week. Didn't someone ask... Plug this computer in before it dies. Didn't someone ask about whether or not the trash talk will be different next time, and our, our my general response was that one. I guess we'll see what happens when we get there. Let's, let's not forget that. But perhaps more importantly... Uh, Perhaps more importantly, um, even if it's not, uh, you know, particularly biting or derogatory in some kind of obvious way, that it will nevertheless. Connor talking about introspection and reinvention and getting things right, and, and maybe that's not as sexy as, you know, saying he's going to ride into a favela and cut the heads off all the military age working males or whatever it was that he exactly said. I suppose that there's something to be said for that, but it. it it's not like Connor is going to go quietly through a fight camp or um, a fight week buildup. It may not be exactly the same thing, maybe substantially less, but will nevertheless be enough to be um, pleasing to his fans. So I suppose anything's possible. Perhaps it will look quite different. We have to be prepared for that scenario. But um, the idea of Connor McGregor not articulating his worldview in some kind of capacity seems um unusual or aberrant in some kind of way all right all right so here's the first real question uh there are a lot of ufc fighters who draw the ire of fans for one reason or another luke rockhold seems to be one of them um articles about rockhold are always met with negative reactions in the comment section i mean the comments are usually pretty ne negative no matter what He's often referred to as too cocky. Uh, it's a bit surprising to see a phenomenal talent like Rockhold receive backlash over such trivial observations. Well, welcome to the internet. While there are some fans who show their support, the majority usually haven't been 
very approving of him even after dethroning Wyvin. Question, have you noticed this trend of animosity directed at Rockhold or what by the source of it be in your opinion? Well, I think partly you're overstating the case. Sounds to me like you're a fan and therefore you find the um, things that are said about him unpleasant in some capacity, which is fine. Everyone's allowed to do that. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, it's true he hasn't won fans over yet quite in the same kind of way, in the loving way that Anderson Silva did. Anderson Silva was a bit of a bizarre character and obviously went in a long streak of dominance. I think there's been a, a you know, people expect great things out of Luke Rockhold, certainly, but I think there's been a bit of surprise to his dominance to, to some extent, um, or at least surprise to his success. He hasn't quite, you know, you know he just won the title. He hasn't even defended it yet, so th- he, he hasn't, dominance might be a strong word, but uh, you get the idea. Um, you know, it, these things take time. It takes time, Barbus. It takes time to f- build a brand. It takes time to create an identity fans find palatable. And um, and look, he does say a lot of things that are typically associated with someone being what you notice, cocky. And, and, and people are like, well, no one ever calls McGregor out on it. Well, it's not quite true. Like, people do call McGregor out on it a little bit. It's just that... Um, he is a much more gifted orator. He marries these disparaging things he says with these very complimentary things he says about himself, you know, with other arguments or other things that make the whole package um, a lot easier to take. Luke Rockwell doesn't quite do that. Um, he's much more, he gives these sort of like relatively benign, straightforward interviews. And then, uh, slips in these, comments and i think that that can sometimes rub people the wrong way but i don't know that he gets it any worse than anyone else to be honest i don't know that i've noticed um uh, a particular backlash to him i think most people like him i just don't feel like he's turned the corner into someone who really curries um a significant amount of fan favor and as a consequence any kind of you know um and also weidman has fans well the guys he beats have have fans um so no, I don't think he's a particular kind of target in that way. And what things he does do that make him a target um, are a function of the lack of turning that promotional and, and frankly, the um, meritocratic corner. Uh, Luke, talking about Nate Diaz. There have been a number of noticeable contradictions in the behavior of Nate Diaz ever since his win at UFC 196, for example. It is well known that Nate isn't particularly fond of doing media appearances, yet he was very adamant about getting more of a promotional push after defeating McGregor. In several interviews, he typically appears to be very uncomfortable and disinterested. Um, But at other times, there are moments when he looks genuinely happy to be there. Nate has also walked out on interviews in the past after getting annoyed by the questions he was asked. Have you noticed these contradictions in Nate's behavior, and how would you best explain them? Well, um, he is many. He contains multitudes. Let's there's a few ways to like parse the, some of this question. And number one, he doesn't like doing media. That's not quite true. Um, he, I think he, I think he likes it sometimes. Um, I think sometimes he feels like it's uh, a bit boring or uninteresting or, um, you know, whatever his particular complaint might be that day, which is fine. He's certainly entitled to that opinion. And in fact, he might be right on occasion. Um, when we had him on MMA Uncensored, I remember, you know, um, he was one thing, this is years ago, this is four years ago. He was one thing when the cameras were off and then when the camera came on, he, I'm not saying he was being dishonest. I just think some guys react differently when the red light comes on. Um, and he was one of them. And, and also I think he's been with his brother. They're, they're, they, the silence kind of influences each other a little bit there. But suffice to say, you know, there's all kinds of ways to get a promotional push. Not least of which is 
you know, you saw uh, McGregor and Aldo and a number of different commercials and whatnot, and that only comes with the 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 being in these bigger fights. And you could say, well, you know, he should have done X, Y, and Z to be in bigger fights. You know, Nate has been problematic for the UFC insofar as we talk all the time about the UFC being really rigid and disciplined, and not in a bad way, in a, in a normal, quite understandable way, about the hierarchy and these weight divisional model. And Nate doesn't really his talents are not maximized necessarily in that linear path through the title. It's He is very capable of beating elite fighters, um, but he's not necessarily that guy who can rise to the ranks and hold a belt for quite some time. Um, but he might be able to beat a guy who could. And so he, you know, to me, it's, it's very instructive that he, you know, trains at a boxing gym, MMA gym too, trains at a or has a uh, has a boxing trainer. He also and his brother have this boxing sensibility about matchmaking, and I feel like he feels like, you know, I've been put into the system that doesn't make use of my resources and my value, and so the UFC hasn't been using him. It's not just it, it's not in the UFC's interest to use him improperly. They just probably felt like, well, we should try to put him through this normal system. I think what the UFC is sort of coming around to, it seems like, is that there are guys who don't fit their model in particular, and and uh, as a consequence, if you make some adjustments to it. Cyborg being one of them, right? That you can still uh, get value out of them and they can get value out of the experience and everyone really wins. Now, you don't want to do that to such an extent that it undoes the fabric of the promotional model or the divisional model, the weight divisional model. But I don't think that Nate is really threatening that in any kind of existential way. Um, and the, so, the, so to answer your question, I think he thinks if were I promoted in a way that made much more sense for my ability, um, I would have been in these big commercials. I would have been on these fight posters. I would have been on... Um, you know, um, purchased advertising assets. And as a consequence, there would have been more earned media opportunities. I think that's kind of what he's saying. And, and you know, look, he might not like doing interviews in the same way that Conor McGregor might like doing them. But I think he's speaking to a larger question of how have I been used historically? Has that made sense for the for the promotion? Has it made sense for me? Has it made sense for fans? And I think he would probably answer no to at least a few of those. And as a consequence, you then begin to inventory what has been missed. And what has been missed is um, the both paid and earned media that come with those bigger opportunities. All right, fantasy matchups. Y'all love these. I am not sure why. Again, I always reserve the right to change my mind before the fight. Um, TRT Vitor versus Rumble Johnson. Come on, Rumble. Jacare versus Bader, even with TRT Vitor. Uh, Jacare versus Bader. Um, Jacare, I guess, although Bader's really big. Magni versus Woodley. Man, I have been wrong about Magni so often. Um, tough, especially if it's a three versus a five-round fight. I'll say Magni in a five, Woodley in a three. Lombard versus Gastelum. If Lombard can get back to the old Lombard a little bit, I would say him. If not, Gastelum. Askren versus Pulharis, I would say Askren. Bendo versus Maya. Probably Maya. Dillashaw versus Mighty Mouse. Oof, that's a tough one. Hmm. I will say Dillashaw, but that's tough. Marlon Moraes versus Thomas Almeida. I would go Almeida. Edson Barboza versus Joseph Duffy. Another tough one. Wow. Um, I will going to say Barboza until Duffy fixes some things. And someone says, TRT Vitor already beat Rumble Johnson a while ago. I don't know that he would do that again. 
Uh, Max Holloway and Mendez. What is next for them? That's a tough question. Well, Mendez certainly has some work to do to get back to where he is. As for Max, as you note, on an eight-fight win streak, I, I'm telling you, man, he needs a rematch between him and McGregor. I would be all in favor of. Um, he needs to fight one of those upper-tier guys. Now, whether he fights Mendez, I don't know, but he needs to fight one of those upper-tier guys. After that win over Cup Swanson, who did he fight in his last fight? I can't even remember now. All away. I was thinking this was spelling mixed up between Holloway and Dalloway because I think they spell it differently. Not, not just the first few letters, of course. I meant the away part. Yeah, it'd be Jeremy Stevens. I mean, his last four wins, Cole Miller, Cub Swanson, Charles Oliveira, neck injury, and Jeremy Stevens. Now, the Stevens win was a little bit... Um, not lackluster exactly, but not action-packed. But, you know, he's 15-3. and three. He hasn't lost since Conor McGregor in 2013 in August, so almost three years, two and a half years. I definitely feel like he's – let's look at the uh, contenders who's available up there. I would say – what's up? A Lamas fight might be interesting. Yeah, Lamas. That'd be kind of fun. And then after that, you've got to give them the top contenders. All right. Uh, I'm going to skip one of these so we can come back to it. Um, John Jones, what are your thoughts on this current this current John Jones situation? I find his reaction understandable if he wasn't drag racing. And how come the police only released a video of his reaction and not the actual drag racing? Boy, these are really interesting questions, aren't they? So let's talk about this. This is the big issue um, this week in mixed martial arts. Uh, last week it was MMA getting legalized and uh, now in New York, and now it is this. Um, what do you say about John Jones, man? Just, uh, okay. There's so many different elements to this. The first one is there's been a lot of discussion about how he talked to the cop. Um, I don't recommend the way he talked to the cop. and I don't think that was in his best interest to do that. However, it should be noted, there was nothing he did about that that was illegal. Inadvisable, completely. Completely inadvisable. But just for the record, it's nothing you're not able to do. It is entirely within the realm of First Amendment privileges. Okay, so there's that. So when you think about that, you can say, what is this really about? Is it really how I talked about the cop? You know, in a way it could be, which I'll come back to in a second. But really, um, to me, the more salient issue here is the guy's risk management is unbelievably, spectacularly bad. He is just so wildly irresponsible. It is, um, there's just no debate about it, really, unfortunately. Um, and to an extent, that makes sense. This is a guy who makes his living fighting guys in a cage. This is a guy who makes his living fighting guys in a cage who will often abandon a more straightforward, um, you know, um, not risk averse, but taking risk seriously game plan in order to beat guys in certain ways, you know, beat them on their own terms. This is a guy who has fought guys um, without much training and won. Now, sometimes barely, but he's done it. To me, it, it, there is a common thread here about this guy not knowing how to manage risk in part because he's never had to pay for a lack of risk management. There is something to there is something tying the way in which he fights to the way in which he lives, um, in terms of 
you know, not training properly for Alexander Gustafson and and trying to beat Daniel Cormier, for example, with wrestling to send a message, even though that, you know, cost him maybe a round or, you know, the kind of could, could he could he have stopped Daniel Cormier had he taken a different approach? which I think very likely he could have, at least in that first fight. We'll see what happens if that fight happens at UFC 197. But um, but generally speaking, his ability to manage risk, the idea of taking risk seriously, ha- is just not something, at least outside the cage, and I'd argue both, but certainly outside the cage, he does very well. You know, we talk about he's so talented inside the cage and so talented out. To me, there's a common thread of just not taking risk very seriously. You know, you can say what you want about the laws in Albuquerque, about, you know, to what extent is revving an engine. And I read through the, I read through some of them, actually, some of the local ordinances there. And it clearly says, you know, uh, making, you know, um, adjusting your muffler to make it louder, by the way, is illegal, which I think apparently he's done. Um, You know, revving your engine at any point or peeling out, but not one and the other, one or the other, or both. It's not, you don't have to do both, but just, you know, making a loud noise. Um, is considered to be exhibition driving, and which is part of drag racing in in Albuquerque. Um, he just does an incredibly poor job of understanding the world in which we live and his place in it. And that makes plenty of sense when you think about the fact that he's never, at least since he began fighting MMA, has never really had to pay for it. So to me, the big issue here is, first of all, how did he even keep his license? I don't even understand. I, I one time I had a speeding ticket. I was over 30. Now, that was a lot. So I was going 75 and a 45. Should, now, I've talked about this before, I think. I was September 4th, 2011. So just um, seven days before the world changed. And I was in uniform. And the judge, and I even told him, I just need my car to go to show up for military duty. And he still was like, I take your license away for, I think it was like three months or six months, something like that. Had to surrender it before I left the courthouse. Um, how it's and I, you know, I didn't have representation and he did, but nevertheless, we're talking about DUIs, hit and runs, traffic tickets, speeding, casual speeding, um, and now engine revving. Um, revving. I mean, it's just a spectacular inability to manage risks, in particular behind the wheel of a car. Um, one wonders if that is a skill problem or a neglect problem? Like, does he have the ability to do this in a way where he understands what needs to happen and just simply chooses not to? Or does he simply just not get that these are real requirements in life that you have to meet? I don't know the answer to that. I'm not sure any of us do who aren't close to him. Um, Now, let me just say one thing about the Albuquerque police here just for a second. This in no way exonerates Jones. I want to make it very clear. I know everyone wants to say, oh, Luke, here goes Luke exonerating John again. I'm not trying to do that. Whatever comes his way, including going to jail, if it comes to that, including losing this fight, if it comes to that, and I'm not saying I hope that it does. I'm just saying it's a realistic possibility that we have to take seriously. If it comes to that, John Jones has no one to blame but himself, period. End of discussion. There's just no argument about it. However, um, I was debating a uh, good friend. I like him very much, Steve Cofield, on, or at least we're going back and forth on Twitter. And everyone was like, John, you know, John's a menace on the road. And I would certainly agree that he is. Uh, I, I would, I, again, I don't know why he kept his license. Even if he was allowed to keep his license, his handler should have been like, dude, you are not doing this anymore. However, um, if you don't think that the Albuquerque PD are petty and vindictive, I'm really not sure what to tell you. We are talking about a police force that has been documented by the Department of Justice to be one of the most corrupt uh, in the country. 
Um, they have been cited for innumerable problems, in particular related to the use or lack of of body cameras. Albuquerque PD began using uh, body cameras in trial phases around August of 2010 and it picked up around uh, in a full capacity around 2011 and 2012. They were cited in 2014 because they were using, uh, uh, I think, a, um, a brand of body cameras called Scorpion that were allowing police officers to delete what footage off that they didn't want. So think about that for a second. They were eventually sued for this and had to make changes. But um, they have also been routinely, routinely sued from advocacy organizations, from local news organizations for withholding any kind of footage from a body camera, not merely in cases related to assault or um, de deaths, the shootings, um, in all number of different kind of scenarios. And they keep getting sued and they keep fighting it in court and losing uh, which is a giant waste of taxpayer money. So here's the point about this. What public, now they are considered public record, but the point being is what is the value of really releasing that information that you saw in that video where he loses his mind again, saying when you're on probation and doing completely inadvisable but not illegal things, what public safety record or what public safety interest does that serve? It doesn't serve anything other than to shame John Jones and to make life more difficult for him. Well, mission accomplished. It is both true that John Jones is wildly irresponsible and that there is plenty of evidence to suggest, plenty of evidence to suggest that the Albuquerque PD um, are glory hunters. You mean to tell me this is an organization that has over time for cases serious and petty refuse to release body camera footage and they put this out um, to the media with a fairly unique quickness um, for what purpose there's no it didn't serve any purpose you could say well it showed us that John Jones was um, you know he committed these crimes well the, the simple citation of that fact would have served that purpose the purpose of showing him on camera being mean to a police officer and the police officer himself also also having some issues there but whatever that was done to humiliate him. That was done to make life difficult for him. There's no other argument about it. This is a, a, a police organization that has uh, um, skirted the rules related to body cameras over and over and over again, have released footage when they felt it would exonerate them, have hidden it when they felt or you know kept it when they, when, when they didn't want it to get to the public. These are all documented cases. This is a police force that has been documented by our own federal government at having an extraordinary rate of violence against its own citizens. The number of shootings in Albuquerque by police officers against its own citizenry, either in deaths related, either resulting in deaths or injury, is 10 times the rate of what officers have to deal with in New York City. Think about that for a second. That is an insane number. So here's my point. Again, John Jones is you know, why is he driving a white Corvette, period? Why is he driving, period? I'll get to that in a second, too. There's just no argument in, in defense of that. None. Zero. It is also true that if you think that the Albuquerque PD are, are a bunch of aw shucks, Andy Griffith, Barney Fife types who are just out there to serve and protect the best they can, you're living in a delusional dream world. This is a police force that is all too happy um, uh to, it seems like, from my opinion, to make an example out of John Jones in any way that they can. Uh, in this particular case, they couldn't cite him for breaking a law absent the citation of the drag racing. 
they just want to have him on video losing his mind because that looks extraordinarily bad for him. Um, you know, and you can say, well, if you, if you know that they have body cameras and it, it, and Jones knew he even asked in the video, why would you do that? Point taken. Dumb thing to do on John Jones's part. No defense of it. Nevertheless, the quickness with which that was released seems to me entirely intentional. And when you look at the utterly abject failure of that police department to be above board with policing generally, and in particular, the use of body cameras uh, historically, you need to ask some serious questions about their role in this whole thing as well. So that's all I'm going to say. Not saying that, again, I'm going to be very clear about this, not saying that in any way exonerates John. It doesn't. However, the idea that he, you know, uh, he alone is the only one doing questionable things here, not true. Now, the point about driving, and I've made this point before, if you guys watch this chat or any of my podcasts or listen to my radio show or you know me generally, I talk about it to a point where you're probably sick of hearing it, but it has been a hugely instructive and valuable moment in my life to marry a woman from Latin America. When we go back to Colombia and Bogota, um, we never drive anywhere, in part because driving in South America is not something I recommend generally. But more than that, for roughly 10 to 15 bucks a day, you can hire someone who will just take you anywhere you want to go. If you want to go to the zoo in the morning, they'll take you there and they'll wait outside. If you want to go to a restaurant, they will take you there and wait outside. If you want to party till three in the morning, they will wait till three in the morning and they will take you home. This costs, again, about 10 bucks a day, right? And you would say to yourself, why wouldn't you do that? Me and my wife split the cost. It's five bucks each. Five bucks each to have a driver take us wherever we want. And this is usually a family friend. Um, this is usually, a, and they'll drive your car for you. You don't have to ride in their car. Uh, they'll take money and deposit it in the bank, give you all the receipts. You can see however much money you gave them. They'll give they'll, everything will be accounted for. They'll pick up your dry cleaning. Now, this is not a service that is available to you and me here in the United States because we're probably in, you know somewhere in the middle class range, maybe a little bit above, maybe a little bit below for the majority of us. John Jones is the one percent in terms of uh, the amount of money that he generates and earns. Um, this is well within his ability to afford. Once he got in trouble for that hit and run. His decision to continue to get behind the wheel of a car is just galactically poor decision-making. Wow. And to do so in a white Corvette in a town where you know the police will have um, discretion, it appears, over what they will and won't look for and what they will and won't release to the public when you are a, um, a celebrated, if controversial, uh, African-American male, African male rich celebrity spectacularly poor risk management on the part of John Jones. You want to move to Albuquerque? You need to move to Albuquerque with the understanding this is what you are up against. And he didn't seem to think that that was relevant enough to make um, the requisite changes. And, you know, when he was on Ariel's show saying things like, well, when I drove, um, that one time I got pulled over, I, yes, I had a license and yes, I had registration. It wasn't in my car. I took it out of my car. Show of hands, whoever takes the registration out of their car or in proof of insurance out of their car. I've never known anyone to ever do that, ever. You leave it in the glove box or somewhere in the dash in some capacity in the event that you have to produce it during a traffic stop. Who do, I, I, don't, I don't understand that at all. Now, the license part I can understand if you took it out because you're going to the gym and it was in your bag. or That to me is less of a concern. But proof of insurance, registration, why would you carry that on your person ever? It's, it's attached to the car. It has no relevancy to your life absent the use of the car. 
for the most part. So I, I you know, it just is, um, it just is unforgivable. And now he is at this point where he has managed to screw things up so in such a damaging way that I again, I am not wishing for this. I do not, I do not hope this upon him. Um, I am in no way trying to be vindictive about this, but just speaking about the reality of his future, it is not inconceivable that jail time and a felony record is is possible. Um, that is stunning. That is stunning. Utterly stunning. Um, <laughs> you know, what do you, what do you want me to say? I'm not saying you can't speak out against the Albuquerque Police Department um, in, in whatever way you see fit. I'm not saying that when you live in a community, you should have to accept, you know, if you live in Flint, that you should drink the water. I'm not saying you can't fight back against those things or um, that you'd have to accept all causes. But if you're going to move to a community, there is some level of at least early adoption and early acceptance that comes with, this is the way things are. Now, I want to change them, but for the time being, finding a way to live within compliance is a, is the top priority for my life. And he is unable to do that. And saying, well, I have to be perfect and I have to be perfect. It is probably true that there is a level of responsibility that he has to adopt that you and I don't. Now, again, if you're just driving around without your registration, I don't know what to say about that. There's just no defense of it. But okay, look, we're not going to be targeted by the police in our neighborhood. And I don't know I don't know that the police are targeting him either. But So they probably got their eye on him at least a little bit, right? Especially if you're in a white Corvette. Um, but you know, we don't know what it's like to be a celebrity. You don't walk out of your home and the cops and your neighbors know everything about you. I mean, they might know who you are, but not because you're a celebrity in a public kind of way. You don't have a public life. John Jones has a public life and he can't find a way to separate the two between that and his private life. But okay, there is a certain, I think it's fair to say there's a certain level of scrutiny that he has to go through that you and I don't. But he seemed to be under the impression that he was aware of this reality. If you are aware that the scrutinization of your life is beyond that of your peers or normal citizenry, then that also requires whatever acts you take to match that. If you're going to be in compliance, it doesn't matter if the compliance of your neighbor is different than yours. You need to act within it. And you can say, you know, is there really a menace to the community when he's revving his engine in a stoplight? Probably not. But he has been caught for speeding. And he has been caught for DUI. And he has been caught for, for hit and run. And those are much more serious, of course. But the point being is, look, that's why they call it the straw breaking the camel's back. A straw will not break a camel's back, except if it's the one gajillionth straw that they finally lay on top. So saying to me, well, is drag racing really this public, or in, in the way which he's been cited for it? You know, he wasn't even speeding. Um, is this some particular kind of menace? No, that in and of itself is not, I mean, does, it, does that really bother you? It doesn't really bother me, that particular incident. But married to his larger record, it is just so outrageously, uh, not just not ignorant exactly, but just negligent in such a dramatic capacity. So I, I am no friend of the Albuquerque PD, and I think the more you read about them, you'll come to that agreement as well. I'm sure there are good cops there. There are good cops everywhere. Um, there are great cops, I'm sure, at Albuquerque PD who do well and everything by the book. Uh, and maybe this officer was or wasn't one of them. I can't speak to that in particular. But, you know, um, it deserves to be noted that, that they, are, they are not little angels, right? These are not, you know, we're, we're, just, we're just here to do our jobs. Mm, 
You're here to do your jobs in a way that makes you look good. That's that's what you're doing. Absent that, though, if you know that's what you're up against, if you know that's what you're dealing with, if that's what you've accepted to some degree by by residing there before things have really fundamentally changed, then you have accepted that. To some extent, you have accepted that. And certainly, if you want to have a career where you're a prize fighter, which requires you not being in jail and having these public headlines around you, what brand is going to want to be involved in the John Jones business going forward? Unbelievable opportunity cost here. Unbelievable. You know, and and, and remember after he got those tickets, the first ones, the ones in January, they were all eventually let, let go, you know, where he didn't have his license and stuff. I mean, he did have his, he does have a license. He did have registration. He just didn't have it on his person or in the vehicle. And those were all eventually wiped away. Remember, he'd been like, he got Instagram, be like, they're talking about tickets. And I still MMA beat, like, how can you think this? How can you be so glib about all of this? Well, it turns out he just didn't take, he didn't take his responsibility seriously. And he didn't take maybe the additional responsibility that was placed on him because of his status as a celebrity and the increased scrutinization that comes with that very seriously. I am sure he's trying to do things well. I have heard from people at, you know, close to, to Jackson's and, and people who have seen what's going on there that there is a difference in the way in which he lives. I mean, they can't be 100% sure at all times, but that there generally is enough evidence to indicate he's not partying like he used to and he's not getting behind the wheel hammered. You notice he was quite sober when the when the cop pulled him over. Um, and he is trying to live differently and you can see it in his physique. Like, it's true that some changes were made uh, and all the credit to him for doing that. Um, but those don't mean anything if you don't complete the full battery of changes that are required of you. And I don't know if it's too late for him or not. I, I really don't, you know? It's a, the problem that, that with me even saying that is, is it's an open question. It's just so disappointing. It's just so disappointing because um, I've met him and I've talked to him on a number of occasions. Uh, I don't know him personally, but he seems, for the most part, believe it or not, I've really enjoyed talking to him. Um, I think he's the greatest talent we've ever seen. And the next chapter, if there is one, it's supposed to be even better than the last. And here we are on a Wednesday in March of 20, 2016, and he is in a jail cell for probation violation. Is that not stunning? Mm. Wow. Someone's asking, why didn't the body camera capture the infraction? Um, I'm not sure. Uh, it could be that he was at this kind of an angle or this kind of an angle and he could see out this, or, you know, the body camera faces this way and he was turning to his right. And so he could see it in ways that the camera couldn't. There have been problems with some of the early body camera work that the, uh, and, and companies that police have done. They've cut off the field of vision so you can't see what happens in tasering situations, for example. Um, so I don't know why that wasn't released. Although I'll say it to me would seem entirely reasonable to think here's what i would say if someone told me they have footage of that too and decided not to air it that would be not surprising at all that's the kind of police department you're dealing with in albuquerque the idea that they would edit that out and release the bad stuff is in no way surprising this is a police department i'll say it again that your own federal government cited as as having stunning levels of ineptitude and corruption and had their own issues related to body camera usage guys and officers deleting their own uh, footage selectively before turning it in every night. So you noodle that for a second, and you tell me if John Jones was, you know, 
they were just they just found out he was doing all this bad stuff. Maybe, maybe, but I, I am completely unwilling to give the Albuquerque PD the benefit of the doubt. Has nothing to do with whether John Jones has managed risk properly, but nevertheless, uh, you, you if you want to think the Albuquerque PD are just some Boy Scouts down there, I've got <laughs> mountains, and I do mean mountains of evidence to suggest that in every way policing matters and in every way transparency matters about public information, they are terrible at it. All right, John Jones versus top five heavyweights. If Jones beats and stays clear of this major legal issue and then beats DC, AJ, and Gus, a move to heavyweight seems next. How do you think he will do against the top five heavyweights? Um, I think he would beat just about all of them, to be to be quite honest. I don't I don't really mince words about that. Um, do you think the John Jones versus Cormier fight will continue to go on? How strong do you believe the chances are this fight gets pulled? I so he looks like he's going to have a hearing tomorrow. Um, I guess we'll see. Um, everyone who is with him seems to indicate that this will go forward as normal. I guess we'll have to, you know, wait for that to happen. Um, not sure what else to say about it. I can't speak to, you know, historical precedent in either law or in particular, um, you know, New Mexico law about whether or not he will, you know, be released for this. I, you know, I hope. Um, again, I don't think the last act he was doing with some sort of, you know, menace to the public. But, you know, if he's out there thinking, well, there's one set of justice for you and there's one set of justice for me. Yeah, John. Yeah, there is. Because you're a celebrity. And you're a celebrity with a, frankly, I'm sorry to say this, a criminal record. One that you've managed to avoid the worst of heretofore. But, yeah, there is definitely a different level of justice for you. If I get pulled over at a stoplight here in D.C. for revving my engine, not that I would, I drive a Mazda SUV, I would drive a white Corvette. Um, I could probably afford one. I would just get cited for whatever I got cited for, noise pollution or whatever they do. You know, in D.C., they don't pull you over for anything. They're so busy dealing with real crimes, they don't pull you over for that kind of garbage. But whatever. If I did, no, because I don't have a record. I don't have the authorities known in the community that I'm particularly a bit of a nuisance on the road. So, yeah, there is a different level of justice. All right. Styles make fights. Let's say Conor McGregor fought Nate Diaz at UFC 189 instead of Chad, 189 instead of Chad Mendez. Okay. Then Aldo would have never fought McGregor and would have never lost his featherweight championship. Not sure how that follows, but okay. Let's say Holly Holm fought Misha Tate before fighting Ronda Rousey and lost. No one would have given her a chance against Ronda. No one gave her a chance against Ronda anyway. It's true that styles make fights. So do you think that there are some contenders being eliminated by other contenders and not being given a chance against the champion while their styles could really give the champion some problems? Yeah. So this is a common thing, right? Remember when it was like, I forget which fight it was, and they were vying for number one contender status. And they were like, let's have Carlos Condit fight Josh Koscheck. And this is before Josh Koscheck completely, you know, fell off as an elite level fighter. Um, and I was thinking to myself, are you out of your mind? Like, I don't think that Carlos Condit is a bad fighter. In fact, I think if it stayed standing, he would erase 
uh, Josh Koscheck from the earth. But, you know, he's probably going to get wrestled to death a little bit. And it was I think it was going to be a three-round fight, the way they were pitching it, like a co-main or a, something like that. And I was like, and eventually they, they didn't do it, but I was like, why would you use one contender? And again, I think he was a contender at the time. Why would you use one contender to knock off the other? Now, here's the truth of the matter, though. There are some cases where it's kind of unavoidable. Like, you, if you want a contender to contend for a title, they have to work their way through the queue. Well, that means beating other contenders. How else do you verify someone's talent? Um, now, some ways you can verify that by beating older guys, um, veterans who you can use in that kind of way. But um, suffice to say, consider Rory McDonald versus um, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Rory is very much still a contender. Um, he's a little bit longer in the tooth despite his age, and he's got a few more miles on him than he used to. I think we can all agree with that, but um, generally speaking, he is still very much a contender. And now he's going to fight Stephen Thompson, and Thompson could get knocked off here a little bit, at least temporarily. That is partly that is partly the game you play in contendership building. You can avoid some of it by just beating guys who aren't in that space, but invariably you've got to beat guys in that space. Um, the question is, you know, when you do it, does it make sense for the division? Does it make sense for what fight you can ultimately sell if someone emerges as a top contender? You're going to make a title fight. Um, if this person loses, is it would be would it be catastrophic for them, or is there a rebound potential? And you have to weigh all these different questions um, equally and in a way that makes sense. But it's difficult to do. Like I don't envy the job of Joe Silva or Rich Chow or you know especially Joe Silva and Sean Shelby. Um, you know Bellator works on a much more looser model. It's not quite as difficult in that sense. Um, I'm sure his job is difficult. I just mean in that particular way, you know, having contenders fight one another. Um, but, you know, they, they've got that coming up, Michael Chandler versus Josh, Tom, Josh Thompson. Now, if Thompson wins, it's not the end of the world. But what if Chandler loses, you know, lost twice to Will Brooks, and now you lost to Thompson? That would be bad for him, you know. So um, they have to deal with it too. But, yeah, it's tough. It's You, ha you have to really kind of ride out the situation and feel it. Like, what are the consequences that would happen here? What are the consequences that would happen there? Can we really afford to do that here? Can we not afford to do that there? So it's tough. It's really tough. Next UFC champion, not from the U.S. or Brazil. Currently, there's Joanna and Connor, but who do you think will be the next champion not from the U.S. or Brazil? Rory, Overeem, Habib, Romero, Whitaker, Bisping, Musasi, GSP, Gustafson, anyone else? Uh, Habib probably has the best chance in my, in my judgment. I don't know if he's going to beat Ferguson or not. Ferguson's hot right now, but down the line, Habib seems a little bit hard to deny, right? Uh, how do you think Cyborg would do against Smith now with USADA drug testing? The fight is taking place in Brazil. Yeah, I, these questions about her are sort of ridiculous. She hasn't filled a drug test in years. Um, if she was on stuff previously, she does not appear to be now. And even then, we're talking about Leslie Smith, who has who, who is Leslie Smith, and I mean this absolutely as a compliment, is a dog, man. She will just get in there irrespective of consequence and slug it out with you. I got a lot of respect for Leslie Smith, man. A ton. When, when I saw that, I was like, Leslie Smith took that fight against Cyborg. I was like, wow. And only because I've talked to her a few times. I can't remember the last time I spoke to her. I want to say it was at the Dynamite event. She was there with some of the Caesar Gracie guys. Um, Nate Diaz was there briefly. Um, I can't... <laughs> Maybe it was there. Maybe it was somewhere else. I can't quite remember. But um, I remember talking to her, and I got the sense right away that 
you know, she's obviously quite friendly and normal and a very sweet person, but she is a competitor through and through like, Oh, is there a monstrous challenge awaiting me that I have very little chance in terms of the, you know, prevailing wisdom to win. That's the fight I'll take to me. When she took that, I was like, I, w- I was only surprised in the sense of, you know, it's, it's a big, it's a big weight jump. You know, I know she could be at 135 is only 140, but you know, generally, but she'd probably be a natural 125 or if she could be. And then, but then I guess I wasn't surprised because Smith, Smith is a, Smith is a war horse. Uh, any word on BJ Penn's criminal charging issue? This is not one I paid a lot of attention to, unfortunately. I admit it's probably a blind spot. Um, I should pay attention to it more. I just haven't with all my other priorities, so I can't really give you any um, information. It's not something I've covered in any kind of any kind of way. Jeremy Botter might be better for something like this. Um, uh, I, it, unfortunately, I'm not here. To, I, I, I'm not very valuable in this regard, or maybe any regard, but in particular this one. True or false? Fabricio Verdum, out of all UFC fighters, has the best chance to beat John Jones. Out of all of them. Hmm. Maybe not all of them. I wonder how Jones would match up against Mark Hunt. I guess he would take Mark Hunt down. But Mark Hunt's taking on the fence is pretty good. Yeah, I guess Jones will find a way to get him down. Uh, Jones's weightlifting increased his punching power, probably a little bit. Conor McGregor opening as the favorite in the rematch against Diaz is ridiculous. Um, it is in the sense that I don't favor his chance to win. It's not in the sense that the odds makers probably did that to generate uh, interest in betting. Conor McGregor's chin wasn't as good as we thought. Uh, it's still pretty good, but it's got its limits. If Conor McGregor and John Jones were to fight on the same card, Conor McGregor would be in the main event. Depends entirely on who they're fighting. But probably. It's more true-false. Y'all love the true-false, boy. Keeping a straight face during Dada 5000's interviews was the hardest thing you ever did. Um, that's funny. No, actually, I did, well for a good reason. I had a, a hard time keeping a straight face interviewing Kimbo. Now, not because I thought he was a, like a lying idiot or anything, but because he was funny. He was making me laugh. Y'all see the one where I asked him about it, like no sex before fighting? That dude had me cracking up. Uh, Shogun can revive career with a move to 185. No. Leslie Smith lasts longer than one minute with Cyborg. True. I don't know how much longer, but true. Fedor ends up joining Bellator or the UFC. I'll say true because you said Bellator or the UFC. Velazquez won't challenge the heavyweight belt in 2016. So if he comes back at 200, let's say he beats Brown. I disagree. He might. Cyborg will lose by the end of 2017. Probably true. She's getting up. She's long in the tooth. How old is Cyborg? Old Cybeezy. You hear my stomach growling? Thirty. She's thirty. Let me mute this so I can get some. Hang on one second, y'all. I apologize. Let me do this real quick.
Sorry about that. <clears throat> okay. Great question. Corner stoppages. Luke, it's pretty common for corners in boxing to throw in the towel when they feel like their fighter has taken enough punishment. I'd say it's more common, but I don't know how common it is. Uh, however, this is something I am yet to see in the UFC. Am I wrong, or are corners in MMA more willing to let a fight take its natural course rather than jumping in to stop needless punishment? I am astonished that in cases like in the Lombard fight, the corner not only did not try to stop the fight in the second round, but they allowed him to continue to the third. Um, this is this is true, and this is not a pro. This is not a, a a a problem with an obvious answer. And you may say, well, you should educate these guys to take less risks with their own fighters' health, and I. Of course, I share your sentiment completely. Um, did you guys see the fight with Chris Eubanks Jr. and uh, God, wasn't that guy's name Blackwell? I think out in um, England. So the guy uh, Eubanks Jr. was just like crushing this guy, and his own dad, who was cornering him, was like, "Don't go to the head if you can. We hit him to the body because the referee's not doing the job." So you have a poor referee, and you have a poor corner in that particular case, forcing one fighter to try and hurt his opponent less because they won't do their job. That is that is astonishing to me. That is totally astonishing. But to your point, it does happen more often in boxing where, um, and you see more mercy stoppages in boxing. Like upsets happen in boxing, but you know, five, six rounds in, hell, four or five rounds in, you can kind of tell if there's a difference in class between the two and how it's going to go. Um, no, if they fought 100 times, maybe the guy who, be, who, who won 99 eventually would lose that 100th. And he would maybe lose in devastating KO fashion or something like that. But the point being is it's it's not all that common. And you get a general sense that if they can't beat these certain weapons and the certain defense that this guy has, this is just going to go poorly for them if this continues. Let's just save it for another day. In MMA, there is this, and you see it in jiu-jitsu all the time. I, I One time, for example, I advocated, uh, I saw Paulo Miao at, uh, this was like the 2014 Worlds, I want to say. Polo Miao was in the finals or the excuse me, the semis, and he beat some guy like 30 to 4. I mean, he was just taking the back, going to mount, taking the back, going to mount, knee on belly, taking the back, going to mount, you know, and he must have had like seven or eight advantages too. Something ridiculous. Okay. And I'm like, why isn't there a tech fall in in jujitsu? And I put it on Twitter, like, just, just put a tech fall in there. This is this makes no sense. And people responded with something very similar. They said, well, like, you know, you can always catch that submission. Guys can make a mistake. And I'm like, this, this is true. You can always catch that submission. It is possible for that to happen. If you lost 30 to 4 in a 10-minute bout in jiu-jitsu, that bout should have, ne or match, whatever, should have never happened to begin with. And the reason why you want to add in a tech fall is in jiu-jitsu, it's less relevant for someone getting hurt um, than it would be in MMA. But certainly just for competitive sake, to keep the tournament moving in an efficient manner, to keep the matches flowing in, a, in an efficient manner, if there's a clear disparity in talent, you might be running over the infinitesimally small chance that the guy who was four points could eventually, you know, get someone's back and choke him out. You are running over that, but that's a that's a cause worth running over, given how outsized the chances of that are uh, of happening or not happening, I should say. And and for the tournament's sake. People have this belief that, like, oh, if I could just get, if I could just get a hold of his heel, if I could just get an arm drag, if I could just get to his back, if he makes a mistake, I could choke him out. And we could all list examples where that's happened. The fact of the matter is that it's extraordinarily rare. And in the case of something like this, 
where Lombard is taking a literally a measurably, an arithmetically measurable beating. Um, it's inhumane. It's inhumane. It's irresponsible and it's inhumane. And I know those guys who are his corner, they're not bad people. They're trying to give him every chance they have. Lombard had never been stopped before. That's also another case, uh, you know, a factor we have to consider here. Um, but when it's going that bad and he came back on the stool, sending him back out in that third, like, for example, I put the responsibility of what happened in the second, not on the corner. I put it on the referee. But when he went back to the stool and I sent him back out for the third, that's when I was like, okay, well, that's that's on you now. That's on you now. So it was a mutual failing there to take his health um, seriously in the way that we should, all because people put their hope and stock in these utterly minute possibilities that we can't like, we can't fundamentally say this will never happen, but it seems profoundly unlikely. And in the interim, you are the juice is not worth the squeeze here. It just simply is not. All right. Keep it going. Solving the John Jones problem. Let's see what you mean by that. Um, Luke, would losing be the best thing for Jones? No. After Wyman lost to Rockhold, he immediately came out and said he felt like it was what he needed to improve as a fighter. That is a common thing they do after losing, and it does not necessarily correlate with future success. And he made the necessary changes. We'll see about that. Is it possible that if Jones suffers the first legitimate loss of his career, it will make him refocus on fighting and stop getting in trouble with the, with the law? How big of a difference do you think a loss even to his rival at Cormier 197 will make? Well, we'll see if he gets out of this jail tomorrow. He, I guess he has a hearing at 8 a.m. before a judge. Assuming that happens, I guess we'll see. Um, lots of guys lose, and they don't. They all think, oh, this is the best thing that ever happened to me. And in some ways, it can be. Certainly, you and I can think of circumstances where a loss would be humbling or illuminating. Um, anyone who's ever fought or competed in athletics will tell you losses are much more instructive than wins. Um, so there's something to be said for that. But for me, uh, I go back to this. Whatever else you want to say about John's personal life, um, in the cage, he is the greatest talent I've ever seen. And I don't know how you guys feel, but this is how I feel. I like to see talent actualized. I like to see talent be... Um, and greatness achieved. And I'm, I'm not saying a loss would preclude that necessarily, but if he can go the rest of his career undefeated and do it across two weight classes, um, to me that would be something that would be so so special that I wouldn't necessarily need a loss to... Uh, if the loss doesn't have to trigger it, then we don't need it, I guess is what I would say. Um, also, it is not in any way clear that what Rockhold is talking about is true. Excuse me, I'm sorry, not Rockhold, Wyman. Now, I had Wyman on my show, and I asked him about this. I said, well, if you think about the division generally right now, you've got Romero, who is um, on the shelf for the for, for right now. We'll see what happens with him, but he's on the shelf. But absent that, who really is, a is a as, as we speak today, an existential threat to Rockhold's title besides Wyman? Nobody. Nobody that I can think of. I'm um, not saying other guys can't win, but seems unlikely, deeply unlikely. And so when you think about that and you say, if I'm Weidman, I just lost badly. Um, why not take a tune-up fight? His response was that he had what's called, a, I think, a, a Jones fracture in his fifth metatarsal, which takes forever to heal. His He told me his uh, fifth metatarsal, his outside toe, I believe it's his outside toe, was so broken that three weeks after the fight, it was still broken. 
So he broke it six weeks before the fight, and it was still broken three weeks after the fight was over. Consider that for a moment. That is crazy, okay? Um, but to the point, um, it's not always clear. A lot of guys always say, well, you know, it was the best thing for me. And sometimes it, sometimes it was. Sometimes it's a, it's a learning experience where they recalibrate things. Sometimes it's just you're, they're only telling themselves that because they need to. Remember, fighters, and, I, and when I say lying in just a second, I am not calling them dishonest people to you or to me. But no successful fighter is honest to themselves. Every successful fighter is, in their brain, the biggest liar on the planet. Um, no, you're not tired. Keep going. Nah, you're not hurt. Keep going. You can do this. Keep going. Even when real world consequences come crashing down on them. This is not real. You can do this. They are, they are, they are often, not always quite poor judges of the truth because they have to believe the, the version of it that caters to their hopes and dreams. Um, so always remember that when fighters talk out loud about how their their self assessment, you know, I'm not saying that he's wrong. Maybe maybe what Rodman <clears throat> said is, you know, I I know I can beat this guy, but you know, I'm, I had broken this and I couldn't wrestle and I couldn't run. And maybe Weidman goes in there next time and and beats the brakes off of him. Um, I, I certainly, if they both go in healthy, I certainly expect a much more competitive fight. But um, absent that, um, or I should say, if that doesn't happen, I also would not be surprised at all, you know, especially with the quick turnaround. Uh, Luke Rockhold's comments on wearing Adidas over Reebok. Um, outside the cage during an interview with Jonathan Schrager, Rockhold said, quote, I don't care. Like I said, I didn't sign a contract with Reebok. I signed a contract with Adidas before. Who knows how long this Reebok deal will last? Your thoughts? I'm not sure what the question is. Let me hear it. At the 1429 mark. But don't forget, if you fancy a bet, let's see. You can register autumn. You know, I, I don't care. I, I don't care. I didn't like I said, I didn't sign a contract with Reebok. I signed a I signed a contract with Adidas before this deal was made. And uh, I, I endorse my product I back, you know, and what I believe in, and that's Adidas. And uh, who knows? Who knows how long this Reebok deal will last? Right. Um, sounds to me like he says, I get paid no matter what, uh, I rep Adidas to the extent possible outside of these requirements by the UFC. I wear it cause I have to. Um, and obviously he's referring to the fact that there has been, uh, I mean, think about this, the, the Reebok deal hasn't even been official for a year yet. And you just think about all the strife and animosity that has happened. Um, you know. I, I suspect the deal will reach completion, but I don't know what it will look like if there's another one after the fact. I will also say, boy, if the pressure is on to get the next set of kits right, whoa. Who are the five best guys in UFC history? Five most talented fighters regardless of weight class. Um, John Jones. Someone's got John Jones, Silva, Nurmagomedov, Demetrius Johnson, Daniel Cormier. I would say Jones, Silva. BJ for a time, maybe. And hmm. That tough that last one's really tough. Someone's got Demetrius Johnson, you could add in there, maybe Rhonda. Um, that's tough. That's really I don't know. Did you intentionally rhyme? It's two fifteen. Let's go to the Twitter machine. I did not. 
Um, Silva has interest in catchweight versus McGregor. Is this a freak show? And would it be viewed the same as Ryzen or Risen? Um, yeah, it's freak showish. I mean, look, two things about this. Number one, Anderson Silva is a weird guy. Number two, he's a good guy, but he's a weird guy. Uh, number two, um, he's also notorious about the desire to have these weird competitive moments and opportunities. So there's that. And then three, um, you know, he never got that super fight with GSP. He's probably still itching for one. And Conor McGregor's like, I can go to welterweight. And Silva's probably saying to himself, I could go to welterweight, you know, but it's just, that seems so far-fetched that, I mean, I know Conor McGregor has certainly stretched our imaginations in ways other fighters have not. And I, even though he had to go back to earth a little bit with the D Diaz loss, I don't think it's gone forever. But, but generally speaking, I would, I would say that that uh, seems, you know, calling that remote seems quite charitable. So I was asking about top prospects. Let me tell you about that. You know, um, I do a radio show three times a week. I do this chat. Uh, when there are fights, I do the Monday Morning Analyst. I do the MMA Beat. Um, and I'm trying to work on some other articles, believe it or not, that I still haven't quite finished. Um, as a consequence, I just have not been able to look at the next crop of fighters in a way that I used to or would want to generally. Um, so unfortunately, I don't, this is not one I can speak to very clearly. I don't know who the top prospects are anymore. They used to be... A source of pride for me um, but I believe that if you want to look at that someone like Patrick Wyman would be really good for that I believe he's done some work on that for Bleacher Report so give his work a look he probably this is something he devotes a lot more attention to and has obviously developed a lot more expertise about um, uh, and knows the current crop so um, give his stuff a look biggest draw Luke last week on the beat you say that John Jones was the biggest draw even though he has never drawn more than 800,000. Did you mean he has the potential to be, or what were you referring to? I'd have to go back and hear what the tape was, but I think we were asking were who were the biggest draws in the UFC um, as potential headliners. And at the moment, if you discount Ronda, uh, who are they? McGregor, you could do McGregor Diaz, but who else would be out there? John Jones. Velasquez is not what he once was. Who else would be out there that you could think of that would be a big one? Um, Misha Tate. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure she can draw okay, maybe. Maybe not even her. Who, who would it be? Vitor, maybe. Um, it's not really abundantly clear, is it? So when you can when you narrow the field, Jones becomes part of that. But I don't know exactly how I said it, so I'll have to go back and look. But that's I don't know how that's debatable, that, that argument I'm making there. John Jones is clearly one of the bigger stars in the UFC, and 800,000 is... Trust me, nothing to sneeze at. You're getting accustomed to these 1 million Ronda, 1 million Connor. That won't last. <laughs> Trust me. I mean, I'm glad it's here. It's great for you. It's great for me. It's great for them. It's great for UFC. It's great for the sport. I'm not mad about it at all. But that won't last. Um, Kel Kel you put Kevin Gastelum. It's Kelvin Gastelum. At just 24 years of age, his last three gritty performances were against Ellenberger, Woodley, and Magny which could have resulted in a three-fight winning streak. Do you, th do you believe we'll be looking at a future champion, especially since he fights out of AKA, could potentially move to AKA? Um, I don't know. But I think he has the ability to beat very top guys. I don't know if he's championship caliber. Now, when I say I don't know, I am not saying he is not. I am saying I don't know if he's championship caliber. Um, here to four, the upper bound limits he's been tested against indicate that's probably not true, that he's probably not that way. Um, but to your point, at 24, and given the rapid improvements he's already made, 
uh, it's not something we can discount. So I would say the odds are probably not, but stranger things have happened. If you could choose what would you like to do with John Jones, have a drink with him, do a bump with him, smoke a joint with him, take a car ride with him. Barbas, stop. Sit. All right, you want to be on camera? You camera whore. There's Barbas being terrible. Well, I wouldn't want to affect his sobriety. So I would not have a drink. I would not do a bump. I would not smoke a joint. You said take a car ride with him. You didn't say he was driving. So I would drive and I would show him. I would say, like I'm looking at Barbas, I would say, John, you see when I drive, I'm not saying John is Barbas. I'm just saying as an example. You see, if John, if I drive, you don't have to worry about it. And if we get pulled over, you won't be cited for anything. I'll be responsible for the car. I'll be responsible for the license and the registration and everything else. And you wouldn't have to worry about it. And John would be like, that sounds like a good idea. Ready for this? Manos arriba. <laughs> All right. Go down. Uh, I watched the video and I find it incredibly hard to believe the officer in this case, talking about John Jones, he has given five tickets, including drag racing, but not a single one for speeding. Seems like the cop clearly has something against him to start. Well, he said it after the fact. The feeling is mutual. Um, also, why did they release the video and not a dash cam video as well, showing what he was accused of? The officer clearly seemed like he was targeting Jones, maybe for obvious reasons, but seriously, your thoughts? Again, I've already sort of talked about this. <coughs> By the way, the guy who drives us around in Colombia is a really great guy. His name is Guijo, short for Guillermo. Guillermo, however you want to pronounce the double L slash Y um, in Spanish. And Guijo takes us everywhere. Like we go, we, I know we're going to go later this summer. Who's going to pick us up from the airport? Gijo. Uh, Hen and Barrow, what are your thoughts on Barrow, and how do you rate his chances in a new weight class? Well, we'll see how he looks at 145. Um, I don't think he's going to be the biggest 145-er. And against Jeremy Stevens, who is a monster power puncher, I don't know. I'll say this, man. If you're asking me, do I have concerns that the prolonged amount of weight cutting he's done and the difficulties he've had with, he's had with it, including the tremendous beatings that he's been given at the hands of TJ Dillashaw, have those lessened him as a fighter? Uh, I'm not saying, I, again, we can't declare that until we see more evidence, but I certainly have concerns about that. Yeah, absolutely. Those were those were career-altering beatings that, that, that TJ Dillashaw gave him. And um, when you combine that with some of the real difficulties he's had in making that weight class, you know, certainly going to 145 is a better choice for his health in that sense, but I don't know if he's going to be the same guy. I really don't. Um, the most complete female fighter in the UFC. Now that Cyborg is making her debut and the 135 title has switched hands from Rousey to home to Tate, who would you say is the most complete mixed martial artist out of both the 115 and 135 division? Wow. Um, Kadelja is probably the most complete. She can wrestle, she does jujitsu, and she can strike. UFC 200 dream card. I don't know. Please do a breakdown of Paige Van Zandt's dancing. I thought she looked amazing, and I hope this has a huge impact on her career. Your thoughts? Um, yeah, 
And everyone was like, well, it's a lot of you know older people who watch that. First of all, it's a lot of women who watch that. It is a lot of older people. It's a, roughly 12 to 15 million a week who watch that. And more to the point, this kind of thing in terms of exposure, you don't think television producers and movie executives are going to see something like this and think, hmm, there might be something there. It's not about is granny at home watching. It's what other swath of the mainstream, including influencers, are also seeing that or have access to it um, and are going to see her out there shining. Did y'all see her on Latin night? Golly, boy. Look, I am. <laughs> no one's going to ask me my opinion on dancing absent this chat, and I thought she looked unbelievable. I talked to my sister. My sister's in her 40s, and, uh, and I was like, did you see that female fighter who was dancing on – Dancing with the Stars, and she was like, that girl clearly has a dancing background. So she, knew, she knew nothing about her. And, uh, I, you know, other than here's a fighter, and she's in the UFC, watch this. And she uh, and she uh, was, like, blown away by her. Yeah, dude, if Paige Van Zandt, this is so different than Chuck Liddell doing it. If Chuck Liddell, you know, he was retired, it didn't mean anything. If at 21, 22, however old Paige Van Zandt is, she goes in there and she wins Dancing with the Stars, I'm telling you, man, that is big, big doings for her. And then you got Geraldo Rivera looking just like, you know, Geraldo Rivera, literally all they had to have to tell him is, all right, Geraldo, put these ratty clothes on. But when you don't, when you get up in the morning, just don't do anything. Just come natural to the studio. You're going to be an extra in The Walking Dead. Yep. You're going to be one of these zombies. Uh, and we'll just get you to do that. I mean, the way he walks is the same. I mean, I don't know what this dude is thinking. I was like, why aren't you doing the thriller video dance? admittedly it requires some you know dexterity but it already fits in with his you know <laughs> his geriatric hustle uh john jones shown the door look at what stage if ever will the ufc just wash their hands of john jones and say enough is enough uh not anytime soon not anytime soon it would have to get significantly worse for them to cut him more to the point people ask well, what about this reebok deal what would it take for you know one party to to kill the deal a lot more than what you've got. And you've already, and I'm not saying that what's happened has been no big deal. Uh, what I am saying is to, to have them erase that partnership, which would have dramatic consequences and would speak volumes about the companies generally, it would take something um, unbelievably poisonous. That is not a bridge you can unburn. Um, CM Punk. All right. I guess I can answer one of these. Uh, has stated on many occasions his desire to fight more than once, win or lose. With that in mind, do you see the UFC bringing in another Mickey Gall type person for him? And what happens to Mickey Gall post CM Punk? Well, Mickey Gall is a real fighter, so we'll see. Uh, they could feed him a number of tough Latin America guys um, until he gets better and more experience. And if he proves that he can win, he can ascend through the ranks. And if not, um, they can let him go. So I'm not too worried about that. Um, it, it's a, his path is a little clearer. As for CM Punk, it's the same thing. They can get some guys from tough Latin America, some European prospect or something like that, and, and make it work. I don't, it's, not, it's not all that serious a challenge. A good question. Is MMA more popular now, or was it more popular in the Lesnar heyday? Um, I would argue it is more popular now. I would argue that it is much more... Now, I mean, you did bigger TV ratings back then. I'm not sure exactly what that means. But I think generally, in terms of being accepted... Um, and normalized in sporting life and in popular culture, MMA is as big as it's ever been. This is bigger than the Lesnar era for sure because you've got not just one powerhouse in Rousey, you've got two with McGregor. And we'll see what happens with them, but you get the idea. 
Um, yeah, it's 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 so much different than it used to be. So much different than it used to be. And that was pretty big. And again, I don't know if they're going to match the promotional force that they were able to get for UFC 100 any, anytime ever. But, you know, it's just it's just sort of instructive. When Liddell re- retired, what was 2010, he went on Dancing with the Stars. And Liddell was what you would expect a UFC fighter to look like. If you knew nothing about MMA, except that these guys fight in cages, and someone's like, oh, there's going to be a UFC fighter on the show. And you see Liddell, you'd be like, yeah, that looks about right. And then today, who do you got? You got you got um, giggly Paige Van Zant, um, blonde girl who knows how to dance. It's like a completely different element of MMA. It's it's a second wave of view of, of MMA, but it's more than that. It's uh, it's 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 that MMA. It's not that the mainstream has, has come to MMA. It's that MMA has come to the mainstream. I think in particular by opening up to women, it has normalized. Uh, in many ways, and now people are like, "Oh, I don't want to see women get hurt." But again, they went, they sent Ronda Rousey to Albany to help lobby, and that was very effective, at least in some capacity. And now you've got Paige Van Zant, you've got these women ambassadors that help normalize it in ways that, um, you know, someone like Liddell, for all of his accomplishments and help in the sport, uh, could never really do. Strike Force, why is there still Strike Force sectional MMA fighting app? I don't know when the last time that app was updated. I'm not involved with that. Do you guys know something we don't? No, I just don't think anyone has worked on the app. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's pretty simple. Uh, okay, let's go to the Twitter machine. It's now two sixteen. I messed that up. Uh, MMA countdown in ground and pound like boxing has with knockouts. Okay, that's not English. Um, better fit for endorsement: Jones and Uber, McGregor and Lucky Charms, or Popeyes and DC. Boy. Um, I can't tell if that's racist or not because I know DC does in fact like Popeyes. Um, I'll go with the last one because it's actually a real thing, sort of who would win dancing with the stars, me, Ariel, Chuck, Jeff. So the beat, I would clown those fools. Y'all can say what you want, boy. I get up there and show them what time it is. Don't think I won't. Uh, you're the big brass. What are you doing next with Connor, Nate, and Jones? Someone says you were a bit wrong on the cyborg issue using male hormones and whatever else as a female permanently changes. Yes, there is evidence to suggest that if you have taken at any point in your life steroids, that even as you get off of them, you can retain the benefits of them to some capacity over time. Fine. If you would like to ban her from competition and use your argument as such, I would certainly, uh, we can have that debate, but if you're just going to license her and license her as a functioning of testing her and she's been thoroughly tested since then, then your argument is irrelevant. Um, all right. What, uh, what about Burger King and big country? I'd be down for it. Again, you're the big brass. What are your, what are you doing next with Connor, Nate and Jones? Think financially. Well, financially, you're putting Connor and Nate back together. Jones, you're going to move into heavyweight after this one. Um, if McGregor completely dominates Diaz in the rematch, does that kill Diaz's newly found fame? Nope. Makes a third fight. <clears throat> Do you think jiu-jitsu has come back as the most effective art in MMA? <coughs> no. I think jiu-jitsu has made adaptations over time to maintain a degree of relevancy. 
I don't think this idea of thinking th of things as individual arts is in any way relevant to modern MMA. Um, let's say Jones is removed. Do you think they just fill in Rumble or remove the fight altogether? G-Bus, I don't know. I suspect they will try to save it, but I really don't know. Still, no big announcements for UFC 200. How are you liking that card so far? Looks pretty solid to me. Yeah, from what we've seen, so we've got like Gastelum versus um, uh, the Redneck. Uh, and I mean that in a, in a, in a nice way. Johnny Hendricks, uh, you've got Velasquez and Brown, and there's been a few other ones that have been uh, attached to it. They all seem quite nice. Who's going to win, Emil Meek or Tanquinho? Remember, Emil has a beard. I don't know if you're going to win, Emil, but I'm rooting for you. Let's see. Uh, Luke, if you can afford to drive a white Corvette, why don't you? Um, because I don't feel the need to like fill a hole in my life through purchasing an automobile that doesn't really do anything extra for me. I've got a, I got a, a Honda. I got a Mazda CX-5. It's black. It's uh, 2015. I got it last year. It's nice. Uh, it's only got 7,000 miles on it. I don't drive it that much. Um, your boy can put his dogs in it. I can get groceries. It's, you know, cool enough looking to not look like a, a dad driving a minivan. I admit it's only one step up from that, but I don't... Like if I want to, what, 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 what am I doing with a Corvette? What am I? Gonna, I'm going to go. Do, I'm married. I'm going to go chase tail in Georgetown. Come on. On paper, where does UFC 198 rank among the best UFC cards? It's a good one, man. It's a really good one. They stacked that Joker. Now I don't know if you guys have been paying attention to like the turmoil in um, Brazil. Um, you know, the commodities boom is over, and the Petrobras scandal has seemingly wrapped up every conceivable um, party and politician of note. Uh, and that has damaged, you know, faith in their institutions and certainly their, their economy has taken a tumble. So I think the U.S. realize if we're going to go to Brazil, we got to, we got to hammer them so that you know, people are going to really want to pay for our ticket. And I, you know, it has resulted in a really heavy card as a consequence. Um, 200 between that and New York, it's kind of diluted what appears to be, you know, where what could have been a really great 200 card, but 200 still might be pretty good. Uh, where do you think Bellator will be one year from now? I think they'll be a little bit bigger than they are today. How do you see Brennan Ward versus Evangelista Santos fight going down at Bellator 153? I think Brennan Ward's going to hammer him. Um, Santos doesn't take punishment like he used to. Luke, I am guilty of driving without both my insurance card and registration. It is not too uncommon. Right. Well, first of all, then you're uh, a menace to society. But more than that, do you routinely take it out of your car? Like, who does that? What 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 conceivable purpose would there be day in, day out to just simply take it out of your car? I suppose if you're getting a new one and you haven't put it in your car yet, that's one thing. But it's, it's fairly unlikely or certainly uncommon. Uh, I'm certain that it happens. I mean, murder happens every day. It's also relatively uncommon. Um, but this idea that, like, that's a, you know, well, I just didn't have my registration and proof of insurance. Dude, for what? 
Like, how do you not have that in your car? How do you sit behind? And especially when you're on probation, how do you not have that? Will I ever see a title bout in the UFC at catchweight? How do you have a title? Well, I guess you could, depending. Like, it could be, you just see that in boxing, right? It'll be in a division, but then the guys will agree to meet at a certain number in that division, and it'll be for a title. Uh, I suspect it could happen, just not anytime soon. Please comment on Vitor's new look. I mean, it's dad bot city, right? What happens with JDS if he beats Rothwell convincingly? I think he jumps to the front of the queue again. It's I, I'm not rooting, rooting against JDS. Let me be very clear about that. Nor am I rooting for Rothwell. But there is a part of me that's like, I almost hope that JDS loses because I feel like he's taken such damage that I don't want to see him take anymore. Um, I, I don't know what to say about that. You know, it's, it's, oof. I think Cote is going to be going. I think Cote is going to going to surprise, uh, people and lay a beating on Cowboy thoughts. Um, I certainly wouldn't discount his chances of winning, but putting a beating on Cowboy, that seems deeply unlikely. We'll see. If Jones remains on USC 197, are we going to see a Ronda-esque perfect storm of distractions building up to his fight? I don't know. You know, he's had a number of distractions and poor preparation in the past, and it never seemed to affect him. So if anyone can get past this, it's it's definitely him. However, if I am um, Daniel Cormier, I'm probably not all that upset necessarily that this has happened to my upcoming opponent. Does McGregor Diaz 2 prove that fighting doesn't prove anything? Used to be a fight was the end to a discussion. Um, no, it still proves any number of different things. It's just that there's, even when it proves something, there is reason to be doubtful that it can happen over and over again. Right? I think that's the issue. True, false. Nick Diaz was right years ago when he said the UFC sold wolf tickets and referring to certain title bouts. I suppose, but you shouldn't be confused about them. And they kind of sold wolf tickets in his own fight. I mean, I never thought he had a chance against GSP, and I like Nick Diaz very much. I respect him very much. I think very highly of his abilities, and again, I think like his brother, if you match him up in the right way in big fights, he can have big wins and big performances, and and, and people will find him very deserving. I find him to be a very deserving contender even when he loses, but I just thought that was a bad matchup for him the whole way through, much like I think RDA is a bad matchup for Nate. It's not a fight that makes a lot of sense to me at this point, particularly since they've already competed. Can you imagine how DC would feel if Jones got out of jail uh, got out of all this trouble and beat him. That's a not unrealistic possibility, too. Someone says, you don't need a Corvette. You're not going through a midlife crisis like most of their client base. Exactly. I'm fine. I do just fine in my Honda, Honda, in my Mazda CX-5. Sport. CX-5 Sport. Uh, who do you think Zingano was fighting? Ooh, I don't know. Um, Maybe getting a title shot? I don't know. We'll see. Are you prepared for your face to be photoshopped into dancing gifs or gifs? Yeah, I don't really care. Could we possibly see John Jones as the light heavy and heavyweight champion by the end of the year? 
Um, I, you know, we never want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but I, do I think he's capable of winning that in the calendar year? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. All right, let's get a few more of these in. Do you, someone's asking about Velasquez and Rothwell being different today. I'm not sure if I see it different today. Again, we need to see how Velasquez looks when he comes back, but even then, stylistically, it's a bit of a bad matchup, even if I think um, Velasquez is a hobbled version of the one of the version he used to be. But we'll see. Someone's asking about Ariel and Fox. I don't really feel comfortable opining about that. Um, Ariel said everything you need to say about that. I mean, what more can reasonably be said? You know, you guys know my feelings on this. I've talked about it for years. So there you go. Cyborg. Uh, so it says it's, much, it's not a step up from her Invicta fights. It's much more of a showcase fight for her in her hometown and country. Yeah, probably. What's wrong with that? I would rather have seen her fight Kat Zingano. Well, if she wins, you might. What do you think her future is in the UFC? I think they're going to make as many fights for her as they can without blowing the bank, and um, and that's it. No more, no less. If they can make fights for her, they will. If they can't, they won't. You know, if they can get willing participants to do it, they will. If they can't, they won't. And that's no more, no less. Uh, Luke, what advice would you have for someone who is interested in doing what you do? Uh, don't. Uh, what are the pros and cons in this business? Um, boy, Jesus, how can I answer that question in this kind of thing? Uh, I have a video. I, I've, uh, it's on my YouTube channel. It's on my Facebook page. Um, it's called How to Be an MMA Journalist, and it explains some advice that you would need to get into the business. Long story short, you should bring in real-world expertise from something else into MMA, um, and you should try to do something that people are not currently doing unless you can do it substantially better. Gentrification of the UFC. That's interesting. Uh, if the UFC continues to grow financially, attracting bigger sponsors and more mainstream coverage by media outlets, can you see the gentrification of the UFC? And I'm sure what you mean by that. By which I mean rule changes to protect the new fans from far more obviously brutal aspects of the sport, e.g. ground and pound, much earlier stoppages, more in-round medical checks, sanctions against fighters whose behavior outside the octagon bring in the game into disrepute. I think some of these things you're going to see generally as people become more concerned as a... Uh, um, you know, as medical evidence becomes more available, um, as UFC grows more corporate, these are natural things that might happen. I don't know that I would attribute that to what you call the gentrification of bringing in um, new audiences. Um, existing audiences might lose some of their palatability for this stuff too as evidence grows. There's a general appetite for violence, yes, but there's an appetite as well for medical and regulatory oversight that I don't think will be either, oh, MMA fans existing don't really have this. This is pressure coming in from a new group. I think it will bleed across these groups generally and have an effect in that way. Uh, Luke, higher fight IQ, John Jones or Conor McGregor? Um, John Jones, I guess, although sometimes he makes bad fight, bad fight choices. Lower non-fight IQ, John Jones or Jason Miller? That would be John Jones because Jason Miller appears to need some um, medical uh, help. That's not the same as John Jones's problem. And there's more. Okay, I'll try to get to these if I can. Um, thank you so much for watching. Please give this video a thumbs up and share it if you like it. I really appreciate it. Uh, do me another solid. I have my radio show today. It's about an hour and a half from now. I've got Leslie Smith. I've got John Fitch. And I've got Misha Tate on today. Sirius XM 93, Luke Thomas Show. Check that out. I really appreciate it. Um, you can give us a nice review on iTunes. 
You can do all kinds of cool stuff and be a great American, and I would really appreciate it. So thank you so much for watching. Um, I don't know what else to say, except, yeah, thanks, guys. Oh, and uh, if you're going to be on my radio show, I guess I will talk to you in about an hour and a half. Thank you so much, guys. Until next time, stay frosty.